500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you G'day everybody and how are you going? We are up to episode 70. Boy, we are sure flying through these podcast numbers. We'll be celebrating 100 soon, I reckon. Uh, as <laughs> normal, we have Dan. How are you, mate? G'day, Jermaine. Yes, good to be here. Good to um, talk all things fandom again. Very excited for this episode. Yes, it's going to be a big one. Um, normally we do have Steve, but um, I think he might be enjoying his school holidays a bit, and time might have gotten away from Who himself. Knows? So um, he may join us at Steve. some point. We'll yeah, see. <laughs> he may join us. He may join us. Um, but a shout out to Steve. Um, so let's not diddle daddle and let's get straight into it. So today we have a special guest. Uh, he is one of only ten people uh, who, in eighty-one years, has drawn Sunday Phantom strips. So we and he's the current one. Uh, so he comes along with the names of uh, Ray Moore, a Wilson McCoy, a Bill Lingnate, a Cy Barry, who we've heard before on this podcast, George Olson, a Fred Fredericks, Graham Nolan, a Paul Ryan, Terry Beatty, and adding to that uh, that who's who of uh, comic strips, we have Jeff Weigel. How are you, Jeff? I'm very good, thanks. So, um, so, so thank you for joining us, Jeff. Um, thanks for having me. Um, we had a little bit of a, uh, a mix-up with the time zones, um, so it's 4, 4.30 a.m. or quarter past 4 a.m. in your time, is that correct? Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very sorry to pull you out of bed at this hour. <laughs> no, it's really, it's really okay. It's kind of funny. I was expecting, uh, from the discussions that we'd had through Facebook, uh, I was expecting it to be at 9 a.m., and so I was all prepared for that, and... Uh, I was sort of laying in bed because it's pretty ordinary for me to sort of wake up around four just for a few minutes for some reason. My brain just sort of goes off around four o'clock. So I was laying in bed and uh, I heard my phone ping and said, oh, we're just about ready for you. And I went, oh, you are, are you? (laughs) So I came downstairs and booted up the computer and got ready for you. So you didn't wake me at least. Uh, I'm glad that, and um, yeah, sorry about that, but um, I really appreciate you um, talking to us, and um, looking forward to this. So, um, if if possible, could you just give us a, an introduction about yourself, like, you know, how you got into comics, uh, a little bit about your history as a comic creator, but also some of your heroes, and I, I guess anything like that, and then we'll just go from there. Sure. Um, I... Um I've been interested in comics since I was a little kid. I grew up in the uh, in the 60s and 70s, and uh, you know I grew up in sort of the tail end of the silver age of comics here in America, and in the early Bronze Age in the 70s. And uh, I just sort of fell in love with the medium as soon as I started to be able to read, which is, was about second grade. 
And uh, I think probably my my first interest in comics was sparked by uh, the Batman TV show craze in like 1966. Sure. Yeah. That's when it first came on my radar, and I sort of traced the first issues that I owned to just a couple of months after that show premiered. So I think that's probably what happened. And uh, I've been uh, following it ever since. And uh, I just fell in love with the work of um, guys like Nick Cardi. And I don't know if you guys know these names or not, uh, being on the other side of the world, but Nick Cardi and Kurt Swan and Neil Adams a lot of the DC artists, and then later on, a lot of the Marvel artists, too. So I've been inspired by most of the people that uh, any American comic strip artist uh, knows. <laughs> Sorry, and, my daughter's um, decided to join the podcast. Keep going. <laughs> oh, is that your daughter, Jermaine? Yeah, that's my daughter. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, two podcasts in a row she's joined us now. <laughs> yeah, two podcasts in a row. She um, wants to get on board. <laughs> so, Jeff, would you say that those guys were um, your heroes in terms of um, artists that you aspire to draw like and, and this sort of thing? Or? Yeah, they were certainly the guys that sparked my interest, and I just sort of became fascinated by their work, and a lot of other guys, too, who I haven't named uh, I'll just mention like Gene Colan also as another guy whose uh, attention, who's who really gained my attention, and a lot of other people. And uh, as time went on and I got more interested in the deeper history of comics, the guys that uh, inspired me and, and frankly still inspire me today, and whose work I go to uh, just for uh, you know how-to knowledge, is still a uh, the same guys that inspire worldwide cartoonists like Hal Foster and uh, Alex Raymond. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I still think Hal Foster is the greatest guy to ever put pen to paper for comics. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I still read his uh, Prince Valiant stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah, that. I've been recollecting those new hardcovers that are coming out from, I think, Fantagraphics. So as yeah. they come out, I still collect those things. It's sort of my second purchase of all the the uh, Prince Valiant stuff, but it's hard to resist. Those things are so beautifully beautifully produced. Mm. So do you you sound like a, you're a collector as much as you are a, as an artist as well, are you? Or? Um, well, I wouldn't say I'm a collector. In fact, uh, just within the last couple of years, I sold the vast majority of my comic book collection just because they were sitting on a, a shelf gathering dust, and I just decided to get rid of them sure. to sort of uh, purge myself of all the stuff that I have around here. But uh, it, it's okay because there are so many collections that are printed better than the original comics that I still have mm. all that stuff in some sort of book form these days. Mm. Anyway, to, uh, to sort of talk about how I got into comics eventually, mm. Uh, I always tried to get into comics at like the most inopportune time, it seemed like. <laughs> like the, the early 90s when the comic book industry was crashing was the, was one time when I was trying to get work uh, and there wasn't a lot of work to be found. And, um, oh, just other spots where it was really hard to get entrance into mainstream comics. 
Uh, I worked for many years as a graphic designer in like corporate design, doing things like annual reports and things like that for design firms here in <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, other places. In fact, right out of college, I actually moved to, to New York so I could get work from the major comic book companies, but never quite landed it. And that's where I started my graphic design career. And uh, so sort of many years later, uh, when the, the big black and white boom in comics started in the 90s, uh, I decided to try and get back in and produced a little bit of work, uh, but couldn't find a home for it at first because that's when that, that big uh, black and white crash came through in the early 90s. And that was around the time that Marvel had filed for bankruptcy, things like that. A lot of black and white publishers, independents were closing down. Uh, but I did manage to hook up around 1995 with uh, a guy named Gary Carlson, who was producing and editing a book called Big Bang Comics with Chris Ecker. And uh, they were doing that for Image Comics, and they liked my work. And uh, so that was my first stuff that was actually published was in the, the like the mid-90s. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Big Bang Comics, but they were an image title, yeah. and uh, they did a lot of retro stuff. They were always sort of aping comics from earlier eras, whether it was Golden Age or Silver Age. And I sort of became their Kurt Swan uh, for the Ultimate stories there. And uh, plus, they they published the uh, the character that I had created on my own that I had been shopping around to independence, uh, a guy named the Sphinx. And um, so I did a lot of work for them at first and then decided to uh, see about doing children's books and managed to sell uh, a couple of like kids picture books sort of based on comics about a character called Atomic Ace. Uh, and I had some success with those things. And ever since then, I had worked in um, children's publishing and a little bit in um, sort of novelty books, too. I did. A, I hooked up with a guy named Mike Spradlin, and we produced a series of books that were these basically sort of song parody books of popular genres of songs. The first one was Christmas Carols. And the next one was love songs, and then there was one for nursery rhymes. But they were all written, rewritten to be about um, zombies, to sort of capitalize on the big zombie craze. So the yeah. first one was beginning to look a lot like zombies. I did all the spot illustrations for that, and they were pretty illustration heavy too. They each had, you know, a, an illustration on one page and some rhyming, some uh, parody song lyrics on the other, and. Uh, so uh, I did a bunch of things like that, and I also did some graphic novels for for, for publishers, for children's publishers. And um, I had uh, done a couple of years ago, the biggest project that I did was a graphic novel for kids called Dragon Girl. Yep. And um, I think that's probably what caught the attention of King Features, or at least Terry Beatty, who recommended me to King Features, and that's how I ended up landing uh, the Phantom. It wasn't even something that I had asked for. I, it was just texted one day by Terry Beatty and uh, huh. said, uh, would you be interested in taking over Phantom for me? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so he um, 
he talked to he I think he forwarded like six different names to the King Features people and uh they called me one day and said we pick you. And so I said great. So you you said absolutely there. Um have you always been a fan of the Phantom, have you? Or it's been part of your comic reading? I have um, followed it in a long time, but I grew up with it in my hometown newspaper in Freeport, Illinois. Uh, yeah. And uh, that was during the Cyberry era. And, uh, of course, everybody admires that particular era of the strip because Cyberry was such a terrific artist. And uh, so uh, I read it every day back then and was very familiar with it. And uh, ever since I had moved away from my hometown, it was a lot harder to come by, especially in those pre-web days. And so I hadn't seen it in a long time. Uh, since this job opportunity came up, and uh, I, I joined King Features uh, Comics Kingdom website, and uh, I've been sort of catching up in the last 20 years of Phantom to see what's been <laughs> going on. So I started reading with the the last strips that Lee Falk had done, and uh, up through all the different eras. Uh, so I'm I'm sort of finishing up the last couple of years of Paul Ryan's run now, and uh, so I'm pretty much up to date with what's been going on in Phantom for the last almost 20 years or so. Have you found that important to do in terms of the plot, Jeff, or and, and the characters, or more the artistic styles? Uh, both, actually. I wanted to see what had happened post um, Cyberry see what he was looking like, and also to familiarize myself with, you know, if there were any new characters or any new turns in the narrative, uh, and just to steep myself in the in the lore of the character that, had, that I might have missed uh, since childhood. Uh, so I, I thought that was really important because I really wanted to carry on whatever tradition existed with the character, and I thought it was important for me to familiarize myself with that. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Um, do you, so in reading all the backlog, do you have a couple of favorite uh, fandom stories or fa- uh, favorite fandom moments that, um, that stick in your memory, either as a child or when, since you've been rereading them? Gosh, in terms of storylines, I don't remember the storylines from... My childhood very well, to be honest. I do think, do you guys know, I don't know how, do you know when he got married, what year that uh, happened? 77. Yeah. Yep. See, I was reading prior to that, so I, I certainly remember that he wasn't married at the time. I was kind of thinking that maybe I remembered when they did get married at one point, uh, and I would have still been in town in 77, I think. Um, but I, I was more attracted by just the whole mythology around the character than any one particular storyline. Yeah. And, uh, you know, attracted by the artistry of Cyberry drawing it too. But the whole thing of, you know, him living in the jungle and I think at the time living in a tree house and the skull cave and all that kind of stuff, just having daily exposure to that, um, attracted me the same way the rest of well-drawn comics did. Mm. So I'm assuming it was more the, the artwork that attracted you as a uh, 
would it be fair to say that's more the artwork that attracted you as a child? Yeah, and I think that that's true of almost all my interest in, in comics. Uh, yeah. You know, my the thing that always pulls me in is the artist and the skill that they're carrying it off with. Uh, I was always more attracted to, you know, following books. Uh, rather than following characters, I followed artists more. You know, if an artist that I like moved from one book to another, I would start reading that book if I hadn't been reading it previously. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, that doesn't mean I would abandon it necessarily, but uh, I just was interested in certain people's artwork and would follow them from assignment to assignment wherever they where they ended up. And, of course, for the Phantom, I was always around because Cyberry worked on the thing for, what, 30 years or something like that? Mm. Yeah, that's right. So is your excitement about, um, or in, your enthusiasm about joining the Strip, did that have much to do with the, was it partly the iconic nature of the character, the first ever costumed um, comic strip hero, the 81 News of History, um, the, the standing in the comic book world, did that have part... Uh, was that part of the reason you were enthusiastic about working on the strip? Yeah, that was the biggest part of it. I mean, the Phantom is a pretty important character in comics history. Sure. And uh, he's really sort of the uh, the foundation of superhero comics. Mm. And um, the other thing that I found really interesting about him was checking back and, and looking at how he exists today he still seemed like the same character that I knew when I was a kid. You know, a lot of the characters that I really loved as a kid are so different now in their tone and in their depiction. That You know, I, I remember thinking at the time that if I had a list of, like, the top five characters that I would love to be drawing, uh, the Phantom probably would have been one of them. Uh, and uh, which is surprising because it never occurred to me that I would have the opportunity to do it. Like I said, it sort of came out of the blue one day when I was texted by Terry Beatty and asked. Well, you know what they say, Jeff? You don't find the Phantom, the Phantom finds you. <laughs> That's right, old jungle scene, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really how it worked. It was really a, a bolt from the blue, and uh, just about floored me when that when I was approached about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when I checked into him, he still seemed like the same guy. And I can't say that about, you know, some of the other characters that I loved, like Superman and Batman, very different from when I was a kid. Uh, so this is jumping around a little bit, but sure. do, um, would you be, and you may well be the artist on board when it happens, um, according to what we can sort of judge, but would you be someone who'd be interested in, moving to the 22nd Phantom, um, and, and I mean, that would be a big change, or do you think that the 21st needs to stick around for a bit longer yet? Uh, you know, I've thought about that a little bit as I've been reading through the strips, and it seems like they're sort of setting up the Phantom's uh, yeah. son uh, for that possibility. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion about which of those directions I'd like to see it go, to be honest. I'm sort of intrigued by both. Um, I, you know, I'm so new to it now that I'm a little hesitant to try and change major parts of it. I'm not one of these guys who wants to jump in and try and really 
change it all around to mm. to um, turn it into something that's more me. And frankly, I don't have that opportunity anyway because I'm just drawing. I'm not scripting. So it's really something yeah. that's going to be up to the writer. Um, but uh, both up, both possibilities intrigue me. But what I am concerned or what I am interested in doing is making sure that regardless of which of those two things happen, it still feels like the Phantom. It still feels like the yes. strip that everybody loves. I don't yeah. know. Do you guys have an opinion that's about that, about cool. whether he's Someone else is going to take over for the role or not? Oh, that's a wormhole, uh, Jeff. We've 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 spent entire podcasts uh, discussing exactly that. Yeah. And, um, there's different moves going on in Scandinavia. I know um, that there's a storyline there where it's where it's you know a future possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a big topic for a fan of fan. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I think Dan, I I think I think we're all of the opinion that. Well, on this podcast anyway, that yeah, as I think we can kind of live with either way. I think yeah. I think Lee Fork, in a few interviews that we've seen and all that, he kind of hinted that it was a real possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just don't think he got around to it or he moved on on from that idea. But I think you're right that it has to be done right either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But my issue is that there's starting to be continuity problems in terms of the 21st Phantom fought in World War Two, but then we see other stories where he's where the twentieth Phantom fought in World War Two and either way that's seventy years ago and um, that starts to make some of the this this the original strips problematic and where it all fits in history. So yeah, personally I probably feel like we do need to head in that direction, but the important thing is as you say, that it's done properly. Yeah. Well you know so many of these old comic strip characters and comic book characters have that same sort of continuity problem. And it's just unavoidable when they're around that long. Uh, yeah. You know, my feeling about it is just go with the flow. You know, I mean, there's just no way to untangle those webs anymore. And uh, I don't get too bogged down and worrying about continuity anymore. So long as what's going on currently makes it kind of sense and is true, at least to the spirit of the character. Uh, yeah, rather, yeah, for sure. Instead of just the continuity of the character. I think you can almost, uh, like you used a very good um, analogy with the webs, I think you can almost get too entangled trying to fix the uh, continuity issues. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, and I, I think that people worry about that a little bit too much, and, and they can damage <laughs> the character that way. Uh, a yeah. good example is uh, Superman, the Superman reboot that occurred in the 80s. If you guys are familiar with that, oh, uh, at some badly. point, yeah, at some point, the, the comic book company DC Comics decided that their continuity was just such a mess from so many years of history that they sort of rebooted the whole line with a series called Crisis on Infinite Earths, and part yeah. of that was to sort of revamp Superman and uh, drag away all of the uh, the things that people were so familiar with with from the character from the 60s and uh, just sort of abandon it all and start fresh again. And, um, you know, I still maintain that, uh, although a lot of that post-reboot stuff was, was pretty good comics, I still think that the problem wasn't so much with all of the... Uh, 
all of the history of the character and how to deal with it. It was just more the the writers and whether they were doing a good job with it or not. That's sort of the view that uh, writer Alan Moore takes about it, too. He was like, you know, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. It's really a matter of how you use this old continuity uh, and not so much the continuity itself that's the problem. Yeah. Um, you raise a good point. So um, up until just recently, uh, um, and I suppose you're still doing as well, you've been doing uh, Tony D. Paul's strips. Uh, what was your working relationship like with him? Uh, it was really great, actually. He's been very friendly uh, and very nice and very helpful. Uh, he's really good about uh, referring me back to old strips for reference that I might need on any given point in the story. They were very patient with me. as I, Like I said, when I first signed on, I hadn't read Phantom in quite a while. Yeah. And so he, would, he was quick to refer me to uh, visual reference, to familiarize my, me with uh, characters that I either didn't remember very well, like Gurren, or ones that I hadn't been familiar with at all, like uh, Babudan. Of course, I had to see what you know Jungle Patrol headquarters looked like because I hadn't seen it for a while, and uh, things yeah. like that. And he was always really great about saying, you know, oh, yeah, you got to go back to 2009, June 12th, or something like that to oh, wow. see what this looks like. Uh, so did you meet him personally, or was this all no, over the I phone? Or? It personally. It was all through email, actually. I've never talked to him directly. We've written back and forth. It's all through email. Yeah. And um, I would... I started uh, the first few weeks that I did, I would email pencils and finished strips to uh, Terry, just sort of uh, check my work, make sure that I was depicting characters correctly. And um, then after that, I didn't want to stay on Terry's radar too much because the reason he left was to sort of free up his time a little bit. And yeah, sure. I, I didn't want to be too demanding about that as we went forward. Uh, but um, Tony quickly took over that role. And so I started emailing rough pencils and then finished strips to him before I sent them off to King Features so that he could catch any trouble that uh, that cropped up in the way I was showing anything. Oh, well, that's, yeah. Um, Terry's, uh, well, Terry and... Um I met Terry when he came to Australia a couple of years ago, and um, we've been in touch with um, Tony D. Paul a few times throughout the years and all that, and they both seem like very genuine um, uh, people, so it's, you know, it's, good to, it's good to hear that. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think from memory it was your third strip that you actually got to draw the Phantom, and was that correct yeah. or was it the fourth one? I think, yeah, it might have been further along than that. It was fourth or fifth, I think. I don't remember for sure. Yeah. But yeah. We were, um, yeah, all the conversations was like, are we going to see Jeff's Phantom this week? And then we'll wait for it, and it's like, no, not this week. What about next week? No, not next week. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was a bit weird, like, in the sense that, you know, it, it took, you know, like, we got the announcement, and then it took probably a month after the actual announcement to see your actual uh, first Phantom. Right, right. I was sort of chomping at the bit to get to him, too. But uh, it's probably good that I didn't get to right away. It gave me a chance to sort of warm up on some of the minor characters before I got to the big guy. True, and uh, true. I still i am sort of getting my sea legs in terms of depicting him, I think. Uh, if so, you guys... 
I don't know if you guys see the the title panel that I do. Yes. Yes. It's attached. But if you look really closely, you'll see like little changes almost every week. Uh, that I'm in the title panel. Yeah, in the title panel, in in the character's depiction in the title panel. Uh, as I sort of get to know him a little bit better, little things move. You know, his figure changes just a little bit. I don't redraw it all together, but every couple of weeks, uh, there's some little minor alteration in it as I huh. figure out what I'm getting wrong and what I'm getting right. <laughs> so that's that's, that's, good. Your... that's a good Where's Waldo exercise for, for the fans <laughs> out there. If they want to look each week sure. and see what little change I've made or haven't made. Like just this week that's... again, even though I'm a bunch of weeks in now, I made another little change to them that, about something that I thought was wrong. So what was what's probably been the hardest part about the actual phantom that you've had to kind of get your head around or like with the drawing and, and stuff like that? Um, well, let's see. Um, I was really concerned about getting his face right. He has very distinctive features, and I wanted people to see that I wasn't trying to change those wholesale. Yeah. You know, so often in the, in the, there are, I don't think anybody's publishing his adventures here in America right now in comic book form. I could be wrong about that. But I seem to see, a lot of depictions of him from overseas that really radically depart from those that sort of Cyberry square jawed uh, depiction of him that Roman knows, and uh, I'm not crazy about those. I want him to look like people are familiar with him looking. You know, I'm one of those guys that thinks Superman should look the way Kurt Swan drew him for so long too. And so I don't want to jar people by departing from that much. And so I'm still figuring that out. I still haven't had a chance to draw him a lot, to be honest. (laughs) But the first few weeks where he actually appears in the strip, um, I'm still not entirely happy with the way he's coming off, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm hoping I get a long stretch in this next storyline with him in it and then really start to get to know him a little bit better and can uh, really figure out how to depict him in the way that I'm, that I'm, that I think he should look and that you guys think he should look too more importantly. Yeah, well, certainly that's appreciated because one of the, one of the great things about the Phantom character and, and you seem to be really aware of it is the, um, the long, you know, again, that long history of, of people who have read him and, Right. Um, have that familiarity, whether it goes back to Barry or McCoy or more even, um, and, and that continuation through. So I think everyone expects that you'll, you know, put your own spin on him and that sort of thing, and, and it will be a, a, a Weigel phantom. Um, but the awareness that it needs to be something familiar um, is very much appreciated. Yeah, that's really important to me, that, that he's say, he stays the guy that everybody is so fond of right now. Yeah, definitely. So, how far ahead? Like, um, how far ahead are you on? You're talking about a new story. Are you into the next story yet? Like, how how long did you have to keep a lid on it and um, not say anything before your phantoms came out? And um, how far ahead are you now? Um, I was told not to say anything until it was something that was going to be obvious. <laughs> Which is to describe, right. 
when when Terry mentioned that he was leaving, which was the week before my first strip ran, that's when I said, "Oh, I can tell people." And I was really secretive <laughs> about it too. There were. It was like, it was really sudden. Um, yeah. As fans and, and we pay as much attention as anybody, um, nobody knew anything until Terry announced it. Yeah, and uh, the reason for that is that uh, apparently newspapers will use a change of creative team to as an excuse to drop the strip if Ooh. they're looking for an excuse to do it. And so uh, King Features yeah. wanted us to stay quiet about it for that reason. Um, yeah. Because these newspaper editors don't have the same reverence for these things as uh, as Very the true. fans do. That's and, been uh, around, yeah. That's been around probably since the, like when Wilson McCoy took over from Ray Moore, um, it was very hush hush. And Ray, uh, Wilson McCoy had to copy Ray Moore's style. Um, so the so the change wasn't as wasn't obvious. Yeah. yeah, and and McCoy to Barry as well. Yeah, and that uh, that always seems to be the case, you know. I mean, people are so used to these characters that they don't want that jarring change. Mm. It's it makes for some strange things going on. I mean, the best example I can think of is uh, in the comic strip Blondie. Uh, a guy named Stan Drake took it over at one point. And Stan Drake is one of the great draftsmen in comics. He used to do a lot of, uh, what did he, I think he worked on, gosh, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, uh, Juliet Jones, maybe? I think that's right. Cy Barry actually mentioned Stan Drake explicitly when we spoke to him as well. So mm-hmm. clearly someone who is, um, yeah. Yeah, a, but a he, he was really a, a good, realistic, dramatic strip artist. And he took over Blondie, which is like 180 degrees opposite of what we're used to seeing from him. And, uh, of course, he had to do it exactly like it had been drawn before, which must have been a really, that's, I mean, that's really fitting a square peg into a round hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's important to have that continuity uh, for the, the daily readers, I guess, because, you know, they don't follow these things. They just want to know that, that, Blondie and Dagwood are going to look like Blondie and Dagwood every day. It's a, <laughs> sort of an important part of their their day or morning coffee, I suppose. Uh, and, you know, they don't know one comic strip creator from another. They just freak out when all of a sudden there's yeah. a big change in uh, that thing that they're so used to during the course of their day. So, uh, so in that sense, sorry, was in, in that sense, was it a bit awkward coming in halfway through um, Terry's story? No, not at all, because... The, uh, the, the concern about maintaining continuity of the character, of the look of the character, was something that I was actually more concerned about than the editors. I never had the editors <laughs> say to me, and you gotta make it look just like Terry's, because if you don't, there'll be big trouble. I mean, nobody said anything to me along those lines. And, um, but, I knew that it would be a concern. I didn't try and ape Terry's style, really. Um, but I think, well, um, you know, my concerns taking over the character were probably the same concerns as Terry had when he did it, I think, five or so years earlier. And that, that everybody that works on The Phantom does is that they just want to maintain the tradition. 
You know, they want to make sure that this doesn't look like a completely different guy when they take over and alienate readers who are used to who he is, you know, who the character is. So I wasn't trying to ape Terry's inking style or anything like that. I just wanted to make sure that the Phantom stayed the Phantom. Yeah. So with what we're seeing at the moment, is that your style or is still finding your style when it comes to the Phantom? Well, no, I think it's, it, it is my style of, of inking and rendering. Um, and I'm still, like I said, trying to get a handle on exactly how to yeah. show the Phantom, how, you know, what his facial features are and things like that. Um, because like I said, I haven't had a chance to draw him a lot through this storyline, at least my idea of drawing him a lot. Um, there were a lot of strips in this particular storyline where he doesn't appear at all. And, uh, so, uh, like I said, the, the more I draw him, the better handle I get. Uh, usually it was about, uh, it was weeks into him being in the strip when I finally started to feel like I was, I was getting there. Um, and, uh, and that's to be expected. Yeah. Where with any new job, you take a little while to find your feet. <laughs> right. In it, whether just, you're a uh, yeah, my hope artist was, or a ditch digger, you know. Uh-huh. Uh My hope was that the the fans would have patience with me as I sort of felt my way through that part of it. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of complaints on the website just yet, so that's <laughs> that's a good sign. Yeah, that means you're doing something right. <laughs> Um, so, um, Jeff, you've mentioned a couple of times um, King Features Syndicate and, and when Terry, so, you know, uh, passed your name on and they gave you the call and you've said that the editors haven't really um, been too insistent on a particular style or anything. What is that working relationship with uh, the people at KFS like? Um, it's been very good. They've actually been very good about about uh, not nitpicking uh, and... Um, just letting me do what I felt like I needed to do. Uh, they've been very hands-off in, in those terms. It's very helpful that Tony's been on the strip for so long. And so he's sort of the cop that tells me whether I'm getting things right or not. <laughs> and also he's been yeah. good too. I mean, he's uh, the only time that he flagged, well, there were a couple of things that he flagged where I had made little mistakes in, uh, continuity or done something that was going to contradict something that I had to show later on. A good example is there was a, there's a scene that I think ran just last week, if I remember right, with a, a police woman who originally, when I did the strip, I had shown her as a junk patrol member. And he said, no, that's not right. She's got to be just like a, a, a regular police woman. She's not part of the jungle patrol. And I had to go back and uh, change her uniform a little bit, recolor her uniform. She originally, she had a pith helmet on, and I had to change that to like a, a policeman's baseball cap so that it was apparent that she wasn't Jungle Patrol. Um, right. That was the biggest change that Tony had requested. And um, after that, it's really nothing. I, after that, that's when I realized... I need to be sending this guy these strips to make sure that he's keeping an eye on this. <laughs> and so that's why I send him rough pencils each week 
to say, you know, anything that you need to point out to me that I'm screwing up. And uh, so far, it's been pretty good. There was one strip. The other place where he called me on something was a mistake I had made where I had depicted uh, Gurren where it should have been Babadan. Oh, yep. Okay. So is that is that becoming problematic now With um, because Tony quite famously in the fandom world anyway um, about a month ago announced that he'd quit the strip and was no longer involved. Um, is that uh, has that made it difficult for you? Uh, no, not yet. Anyway, I have one week left of Tony's script, and then after that, uh, I have nothing. <laughs> and oh, I'm hoping they're working oh, wow. that out, so so that I don't fall behind schedule. I, earlier, you had asked about how far ahead I was. Uh, I think I did the last strip for September this week, so oh, I'm a few months okay. ahead. So we've got a little bit of a cushion there. And hopefully, while uh, they sort things out with this writer issue, I won't fall too far behind. So you can't provide us with any clues about who the new writer might be or what's going on there? Yeah, literally I can't because I don't know exactly what's going to happen yet. Yeah. So do you find it's a bit a scary? Little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you find it awkward, like being in the job for such a short period of time and 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 it's happened where you've run out of scripts? Um, no, I'm not too worried about it as long as it doesn't last too long. Yeah. Um, if it were something that went on for like a month or so, I would start to become a little bit more worried. Mm. Um, but you know, yeah. the, doing a, a week, this weekly strip doesn't take a ton of my time. It's more like a part-time job. It's not like I spend all day, every day for five weeks or for five days a week doing the phantom it's something that takes me a day to a, to, a day to a day and a half to do and yeah, uh, the rest right. of the time i am uh, i'm working on a graphic novel that i'm signed to do for an american publisher uh which is a much bigger job for me but yeah. um in other words it's not hard for me to catch up on the phantom if i fall behind because like the first week when I first got the assignment, I, I said, I want to show these guys that I'm really willing to work hard and stay on schedule. And I did four strips in one week. So oh, wow. I can do that if I have to, to catch up. It's oh, just that yeah. I would rather not. I'd rather, you know, take yeah. it at a more stately pace so that I can pay attention to what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. Well, certainly we all hope that writer issue is solved uh, sooner rather than later. And it sounds like it's starting to become crunch time. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking, looking forward to finding out who's going to be taken over as much as as much as anybody, if not. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I'm assuming um, everything's digitally. You do everything digitally these days. Uh, yes, I have been doing the Phantom all digitally. I, in my work in general, I'll switch back and forth. Um, but. I found that, especially on the Phantom, as I sort of get my sea legs on it, the thing about doing it digitally right now is that, for one thing, uh, I can do it anywhere. So I've worked on the Phantom in doctor's offices and, you know, waiting for things or just sitting in my living room. I'm not tied to a drawing board somewhere Yeah. Uh, because I work on an iPad Pro. 
And um, the other big advantage is that it's so easy to make changes. You know, no whiteout is involved. And, uh, and, and that must be how you're re- redoing the title page and, and that pith helmet and that sort of thing. That's right. Yeah, those so, things are much easier to change digitally than they are on paper. And uh, that's been a big help, too. Uh, the, the only downside, and of course I can, I can zoom in on it as large as I want to. You have to be careful not to get lost in the weeds of detail and those sorts of things. But it's actually a lot easier in a lot of different ways. Um, although at some point I may go back to paper just because I don't want to lose that skill. And I think my inking maybe sometimes is a little more controlled with a brush and ink on paper too. Um, but I'm still sort of comparing how those two different ways of working change my work. Uh, you know, the iPad Pro is a relatively new thing. It's only been out for, uh, you know, a year or something like that is all the time that I've had it. And so I'm still sort of looking at how it, it changes my workflow and what parts of it help and what parts of it hinder. Um, but I do like the graphic novel I'm working on. I'm probably still going to do on paper. Uh, and I'll switch back and forth as a lot of artists do. Uh, I don't have a big Cintiq monitor that the of the kind that so many artists are using these days. Um, I thought about making that change, but it's such an expensive piece of equipment. And when the iPad Pro came out, it seemed like it did everything I needed to do, and it was a lot more portable and a lot more affordable. And so I've been sticking with that. I don't know that I'll make the, the switch to Cintiq unless I see a really good reason to do so. So for the unartist talented people's like myself and Dan, um, could you go through the process? <laughs> we have no of, idea um, what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Could you go through the process of like getting this, getting the strip? Do you then just go straight onto the iPad and 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 do your rough pencils, and then do you do the pencils over the top of that, or is it on a separate page? Or could you just go through a bit of the process for us? Sure. Yeah, the way I work for not only the Phantom but anything I do is uh, in the case of the Phantom anyway, I get a script from Tony. And it's all done at once. It's not like uh, he sends it to me piece by piece each week. Uh, I'm told by Terry that the way he works is to do the whole thing all at once. And so here's your next, here's this your 40-page script for the next 26 weeks all at once, which is a great uh, asset to have to know what's coming because you can read the story from start to finish. And you can also then work at your own pace. You're not waiting for the the writer to deliver, you know, the script for the next week at any given point. So that's a great thing about Tony. Uh, And so I've got the script in hand and I see he even breaks it down. So I know how many panels I'm going to be dealing with in any given week too. Uh, although he does give me the latitude to, to change that if I wanted. I don't think I have, but Tony's flexible enough that if I see something that, uh, you know, that he's designated as, you know, one large panel, if I think that would work better in, you know, two separate panels, uh, I don't think he'd have a problem with that. Um, 
But anyway, I've got the script in hand. The first thing I'll do is a thumbnail sketch, uh, which is usually about, you know, three inches wide, two inches tall, something like that, maybe a little bit larger. And just sort of work out what camera angles I'm going to use for each panel, just figure out what the action is going to be, how I'm going to tell the story visually in a very quick little sketch that's very chicken scratchy and that barely translates into anything anyone recognize except me. Uh, you know, I'm just figuring out the staging, the blocking, so to speak, for the action. And at that point, that's when, if I'm doing it on paper, what I'll do is I'll go to full size and I'll actually work on tissue paper at first and start sketching everything in roughly. And I'll do rough pencils on a tissue paper and then scan it into the computer. And I'll take that and then I will uh, bring it into the computer program that I use and add the lettering from the script and make sure that I've left enough room for all the word balloons. And sometimes I'll find that I haven't. And then I can, in the computer in Photoshop, I'll shrink down a, a sketched figure a little bit or move things around a little and uh, also try and make drawing corrections to it. You know, one of the things that, because I've been working in children's books and in, in a slightly more cartoony style for a lot of the things that I've been doing recently, uh, my habit in the early phantom strips was making heads too big. You know, I had to sort of recalibrate my proportions for phantom world, so to speak. Uh. And Terry, that was one of the great things that Terry did uh, early on as he was sort of monitoring my early sketches saying, you know, your heads are kind of big in these things. And uh, I just had to uh, get my consciousness of that uh, a little more clearly. And so it's easy in Photoshop to just sort of encircle a head and shrink it down a little bit or change the position of it. So little drawing changes like that early on, uh, along with the lettering. And once I've got everything positioned correctly and all the lettering in place, then I will print out that strip as a blue line on my large format printer here and just ink over the top of that. And that way, all the artwork's there, and uh, I don't have to erase pencil lines later on. Once the inking over the top of that blue line is done, then I can just scan that in and clean it up a little bit and then start adding color in Photoshop. Uh, when I made the transition to uh, using the iPad, I would do both of those stages, both the, the sketch stage and the inking stage right on the screen, one over the top of the other. And again, it was very easy to make those sorts of changes like shrinking heads or, uh, you know, moving figures around a little bit uh, on the iPad. It just uh, eliminates the step of having to scan things in. Mm. So is that enough of a description? Is there anything I'm forgetting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. It's uh, it's really, as someone who has got just the barest knowledge of how to use Photoshop, mm. um, it, it's it's really interesting to hear you, you talk us through that process. Thank you. Uh, but uh, well, I guess as a collector, um, one of the things that um, a lot of collectors love to chase is um, original artwork and that sort of thing. So it doesn't sound like there is any um, Jeff Weigel original uh, Sunday art pages and that sort of thing that we could um, you know, collect and, and frame and hang on a wall or put in a display book or anything like that. That would seem, there's so many upsides that you've just said, but that would seem like a downside to the method? Yes, it is. And, and I... That's why I, if I do go back to paper at some point, 
that would be the reason I would do it is so that I'd have that sort of aftermarket uh, option for the artwork itself. Mm. Uh, Cause that's a, that's a big chunk of money to leave on the table. If I'm, if people want, if there's a demand for my original strips, but right now I decided it was a bigger priority for me as limited as my time is to have the convenience of doing it on the iPad and to have the convenience of being able to make these minor changes and to try different things. That's the other thing about working on the iPad too, is I can try, you know, I can add a layer to what I'm doing and try some sort of lighting scheme on the character. And if it doesn't work, I just throw the layer out and start over again on uh, with a different notion of doing it rather than having to, you know, get out the white out or God forbid having to start the panel all over again <laughs> from scratch. <laughs> Yeah. So that's so, why I'm looking to to get more used to doing the strip before I hmm. try and make that jump back to uh, paper if I ever do that. Yeah, the other nice yeah. thing about doing it on um, doing it digitally is that the iPad is so portable that I generally I work on the Phantom in the evenings sitting in my living room with my wife close by. Yeah. So that I'm not. And that way, I'm not downstairs drawing on paper, sequestered away in my little studio, yes. uh, away from her. Yes. And we ha- we have heard a number of um, artists' widows um, sort of take place in, in. So it sounds like a good way to avoid that yeah. problem. Yeah. 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 It's um, important for me to yeah, avoid that. I need some sort of balance. I know that there are a lot of artists who, you know, just seem to work constantly. You know, I see Mike Manley's uh, posts on. Uh, Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's like doing all nighters and he seems, you know, he's working every Saturday night and things like that. And I think that was part of the problem with Terry too, is he seemed to be working so much. He said he was working seven days a week. Of course, those guys are doing other strips at the same time. Yes. But, uh, you know, I think that I, I can't do that. I can't work, you know, 80 hours a week. Uh, not that the Phantom would take up that much time, but, this graphic novel that I'm working on certainly could if I let it. So between the graphic novel and Phantom, uh, you know, I could work those sorts of hours, but I think the work would suffer and I would suffer and I'd be unhappy about it instead of, you know, I'm loving this. I'm loving drawing these things. But if I do it too much, it's going to take that pleasure away pretty quickly and start to drive me crazy. And, you know, I, that's why I do it is because I love doing it. I don't want to ruin it. And so exactly. you know, if I start trying to uh, right now, I'm probably doing 50 hours a week between all the things that I'm doing. And that's pretty much my limit for not wanting to kill myself. Yeah. Well, you, you've got to have a work life balance, don't you? Yeah, and, uh, I we are, do. Anyway. I mean, there's yeah. there's so many tales of these guys like Jack Kirby who just seem to work constantly constantly and uh, i don't know they didn't seem to bother them it seemed to work out fine for them but that's just not the way i'm built i can't put in those sorts of hours and be happy at the end of the day so so has there been a uh, a panel or or a sunday or a moment that you've drawn so far um that you're like that you're like really happy with that's been like one of your, you know, been a real joy in drawing and. Um, they all are really, um, I, you know, there's usually individual panels more than 
than actual whole Sundays. You know, yeah. the opportunity to draw interesting lighting on a villain's face or, the, you know, my first opportunity to draw the Phantom, too. Uh, you know, I wasn't entirely satisfied with the way I was showing him until a few weeks in. There was one strip where I sort of felt like he was starting to fire on all all cylinders, and it was this sort of scene that's coming up in a few weeks. You guys will see it, uh, where he actually takes on uh, one of the villains in the strip, and uh, there's sort of a fight between the two of them. And that was the first one where I said, yeah, I think I'm really starting to get the hang of this guy. So that was a lot of fun. To draw action scenes is always more fun than, you know, drawing a crowd scene or something like that, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you have any um, like hopes or goals or ambitions with the strip? Um, I don't have any hopes or goals in terms of storyline or directions for the character. My hopes and goals are basically to feel like I'm doing a great job with it <laughs> and yeah. uh, that that sort of varies from panel to panel right now uh, and I think that the, probably that'll stay the same throughout my whole experience with the Phantom mm. uh, as it is with any, anything that I work on I mean you, you every artist has the same foible you know they're they're never entirely satisfied with their work once they finish with it and have to send it off. Um, but there are some panels where you're more satisfied than others. And there are some panels where you go, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. That's the satisfying part of it. And my, my, I guess my goal going into the future is to make that batting average of satisfaction with the work a little higher than it is right now, as I'm still figuring out how to do this. With so, the yeah, so Terry had a um, – he always wanted to do uh, Mandrake with the Phantom. He always wanted to do another team-up. So do you have like a um, oh, like a, a character you want to draw or a, a storyline or, you know, like the Mandrake or, or something like that that you would like to do with the Phantom one day? Um, I don't really. Uh, things that I'm looking forward to is uh, I'm looking forward to the chance to do Diana at some point because she hasn't appeared in the strip yet. Oh. Um, I was one of my goals, which I've already sort of met, was uh, in the depiction of Devil. Uh, even back in the Siberry days, Devil was this sort of German shepherdy looking thing. <laughs> and I, I really wanted him to be a wolf. So I've sort of been concentrating on, you know, making sure that he's this big, impressive-looking wolf rather than looking like a household pet. <laughs> yeah. And that's not to criticize anybody. I mean, that's the way it's been for a while. But I, I really wanted to take a crack at making him an intimidating presence in the strip. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, depicting Diana, and uh, I haven't done the Skull Cave yet, except in one commission that I did for somebody. That was an interesting thing, as I signed on, is getting requests from all around the world for uh, commissions for Phantom artwork, too. Is that a regular thing that you've been getting? Well, rel relatively regular, yeah. Every couple of weeks, 
um, somebody will approach me about it. And it's like, it can be from anywhere. I've done one for somebody in Germany and someone somewhere in Scandinavia. And um, I've had inquiries from India and from as nearby as like Chicago here in the United States too. So, and you're you're more than happy to take those on board, I assume. Yeah, I sure am. I was I haven't like advertised it yet, like putting up uh, a, an admission that I take uh, those sorts of commissions in uh, on my website or anything like that because I'm st- I was still trying to figure out my schedule and make sure that I had enough time to do everything I needed to do. But yeah, it's something that I'm certainly open to as people approach me about it. And at some point, I'll actually come right out and say. Hey guys, I'm doing commissions and hopefully sometime in the future I'll even say, you know, hey, I'm doing these things, these strips on paper again. And if anybody's interested in the original strip art, uh, that's mm-hmm. available yep. for sale too. Well, I'll oh, I know for a fact that there would be people in, interested. Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, I'm going to keep that in mind. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. go back to that. It may not be for a while because I may need to get this graphic novel off my plate before I have the time <laughs> to, <laughs> sure. to do that. But, uh, yeah, it's something that I definitely have in mind for the future because I know there's a market for it, and I, I hate to leave that money on the table. Yeah. I reckon you'll get a few more uh, commission requests after some people will listen to the podcast as well. No, that's great. That's good. <laughs> and if anybody needs my uh, contact information to try and uh, talk to me about that, uh, it's very easy to email me. If they just go to my website, jeffweigel.com, all my contact information is there. So it's very easy to reach me if they just Google my name. Cool. Definitely. And we'll, we'll certainly include links to that on the, um, the page where we, we publish the podcast. And okay. Everything, so people can go back and check, it, check yeah. that out. And um, just, I'll just add that if they go to my website at this point, they still won't see any mention of Phantom just because I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to update my website with <laughs> that information. But yeah. they're in the right place if they go to jeffweigel.com. Very good. So uh, this and this is a question that sort of stems out of the uncertainty that um, we're, we're looking at with Tony at the moment. Um, Jeff, do you have yourself any? Uh, is it a contract with King Feature Syndicate, or is it a you know have you got guarantees that you're on for a long term or a short term or um, you know? Yes, what, I, what I have a contract for at least a year. Yeah. Yeah. And um, oh, that's good. You know, I did a bunch. Uh, the first bunch that I did uh, was just on a piece-by-piece basis until they made sure that I was somebody who was responsible and responsive. Uh, but they very quickly said, uh, you're the guy, and gave me a contract. And they said, it'll just be for one year now, and we'll renew later on. But I, I don't get the sense that I am on you know double secret probation or anything like that with kids. <laughs> Uh, and hopefully, oh, that, you know, I told my wife as soon as I landed this, you know, my hope is to go 20 years. Oh, uh, I really awesome. see Phantom as a long-term thing for me. I would like to do it for the rest of my work life if I can. Uh, awesome. it's, and, and as long as I'm welcome with the fans and, and with King Features, um, you know, I, I can't say 20 years out or I can't even say I'll live Another twenty years. <laughs> but my goal, not the artist who cannot die. <laughs> well, you know, here's my thinking: is that I spent so many years in graphic design, uh, doing work that I wasn't always happy to be doing, 
<laughs> and so my goal is to do the Phantom for as long as I held my last graphic design job, uh, just to sort of offset that experience. I would like to say yeah. something I'd love for as long as I do had to do something that I didn't love that much. Mm. And I held my last job for 21 years, so I'm hoping to hold Phantom for that long. Well, certainly online, people are very happy to criticise and um, peg you down. And as you said, uh, and we certainly haven't seen a lot of negative comments, so the fact that people aren't putting negative comments means they're happy enough. So I'd say the fans would be pleased to see you um, take it for as long as you can as well. Well, I'm hoping to fulfil their expectations. And frankly, I read their comics, or their comments too. Uh, and I know that they can be pretty harsh sometimes, although it seems <laughs> like they've been pretty kind to me so far. I haven't seen anybody complain too much about anything. But, uh, you know, I found my, my graphic novel that I mentioned earlier, Dragon Girl, is actually, um, that was published by Andrews McMeal, and they are an arm of um, the other big comics syndicate uh, in the United States. And so they run, um, oh gosh, what do they call it? I'm having a, a aneurysm here. Um, <laughs> let me, here, let me go on the web here and, and just remind <laughs> myself what this, what this is. Let's see. Uh, uh, let's see, comic strips. Oh, Go Comics, right, Go Comics. I couldn't think of it for some reason. Uh, is is like, um, you know, Comics Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, anyway, the Dragon Girl comic, uh, the graphic novel, is syndicated page by page on Go Comics. So if anybody's interested, they can go there and read it. Mm. And um, there were comments there every every day as it ran. And I read all of those, and generally, if somebody had a problem with what was going on, they were kind of right. It was like, yeah, you know, that's a, kind of a weakness in what I did this particular day, and I take that stuff to heart. So if uh, people want to go to uh, comment on The Phantom each week and tell me what I'm doing wrong, uh, I will see their comment and probably take it to heart for the next time out, you know. You might want to be careful what you wish for there. <laughs> I might be. But I, I also want to, you know, when, and if somebody's just out there being a troll for no particular reason, that yeah. rolls off me too. I don't get too worried about that. But, you know, the, the comments that I found in Dragon Girl, uh, where they found, you know, some fault with what I was doing you know, generally, like I said, I kind of agreed with and tried to make sure that that mistake didn't happen again. Mm. And I'm, I'll okay. take that same approach to the Phantom, unless what they say is full of crap, and then that will ignore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. So, do you have um, uh, any ambitions to um, maybe do a, a story for Fru or uh, Eggmob? I'm sorry, just this, uh, so Fru and Egmont are the Australian and um, Scandinavian creators who do um, fandom stories. So is that something you wouldn't mind doing down the track? Or you yeah, I'd love to, actually, because um, the 
the format for doing comics in comic books is a lot freer. There's a lot more possibilities in how to tell the story than than in that strict uh, newspaper yeah. strip format. You know, the Phantom is very carefully formatted, uh, and I, I can't break from that, you know, this, this grid of panels that they have. Sometimes they're double wide, sometimes they're single, but beyond that, I can't break up that page much yeah. of uh, what happens to those, what the newspapers do with it, and uh, also how it's, I understand it's recollected in the comic book form, and it's the strips have to be sort of divided up in a certain way to fit on the comic book page. So it's that very strict format also makes for very strict storytelling. Uh, and the comic book page is a lot more versatile in how I can tell the stories. So I'd love to do work like that for one of the, the other uh, publishers of regular comic books. I'd love to do phantom stories for them. Although chances are uh, this, this graphic novel that I keep mentioning uh, is something that I'll be working on for the next year probably and so i don't think i'll have time in my schedule to do it for a while but as soon as i'm finished with that which should be according to the schedule june of next year uh, i'm hoping to get that sort of work i'd love awesome. to do it well um the 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 people who have the power for both publishers do listen to the podcast so um okay great uh, so any well, year, guys, contact me at some point. Yeah. yeah. That would be... <laughs> no. So, is there, um, uh, anything else you would like to make mention or um, or, or comment on uh, before we wrap this up? Um, gosh, I guess the only thing I really want to impress upon people is that I love this character as much as they do, and I have a lot of reverence for the deep tradition of the Phantom Strip. And I'm going to be working really hard to try and be worthy of the tradition that I'm carrying on. It's really important to me, just the way it yeah. is to the. No, well, I that's can, wonderful to hear. Yeah, it, it is. I can I can sense the um I can sense that in in talking to you as well, just the the, the and, love and the passion and. And to be honest, I think we can already see that in the in the strip. And like you you, you mentioned before about I uh, hadn't seen the Jungle Patrol headquarters, and you had to go back and look at that. I couldn't pick that up when I was reading the the comic books at all. You know, uh, the strip, um, you know, it looks it looks what I like what I think the Jungle Patrol headquarters looks like. And um, so I think I'm you know, I'm looking forward to your Skull Cave. I'm looking forward to you know hopefully we get back to the Treehouse. I'm looking forward to the the rest of uh, Phantom Country as you explore that and find it. Um, show us, show us that again. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah. No, well done. And anybody that wants to friend me on Facebook to see what I'm up to on any given week, feel they should feel free to do that. I've been accepting a lot of new requests from all around the world, and uh, most weeks I'll usually post some sort of a little panel preview of what I'm working on that week, so people will see ahead of time what what might be coming up with the Phantom. No worries. Well, it's, yeah, I, I'm one of those friends as well that keeps an eye on it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Me too. And and so you, you did get a, a a reasonable boost in followers. You know, we we like to think that uh, the fandom is popular enough that uh, people will, will listen to the podcast and check out our website at least. But you did you did get a bit of a boost in terms of uh, yeah, people I'm checking you out. I got a big boost. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I don't know what the actual number of followers is right now. I mean, it's not up there with a lot of the other guys who have, the artists who have bigger reputations than I do. But uh, I initially I got a lot, you know, scores and scores of new friend requests. And uh, I seem to be getting new ones mm, a few a few more a week. It's not like I'm looking to get a huge presence on Facebook. But, um, <laughs> it's nice to know that people are paying attention and are interested. Every artist sure. likes to know that somebody's looking at their work. Sure. Mm. So, so com, and, of course, um, hitting you up on Facebook. Is there any other social media or anything else that you'd like to plug where people can see what you're doing? Yeah, well, I'm signed up on Twitter and Instagram, too, but, honestly, I don't pay too much attention to those right now. Um but I may in the future, if I can get my get enough ambition to start marketing myself yeah. a little more aggressively, they might see more work <laughs> there. But I, I actually don't think you'll see anything on one that you don't see on the other. So yeah. if you just do, if you do Instagram or Twitter, you might miss some things. But if you do Facebook, uh, I don't think you'll miss anything. Anything that goes on on Facebook. Uh, uh, that's the first place that I'll start putting stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I we um I, I enjoy uh getting to know you a little bit more as a as a as a phantom uh artist and getting to know the process of how you're working and and and, and the love and the passion that you have for the character. So, on behalf of uh on myself and I I um appreciate taking the time and um. I'm I'm glad that internal alarm clock uh, woke you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to meet you guys. I'm glad you contacted me, and I'm glad to have a chance to talk about uh, this new assignment that I'm so excited about too. So hmm. I hope people are happy with what they're seeing from me in the weeks to come. And and I think we'd probably like to, uh, you know, maybe give it a year or so, and and um, or whatever, and, and touch base with you again, and and uh, see how you. You've settled into the character and that sort of thing. It's uh, really, really good that uh, I think in this day and age, the creators, authors, and artists, and that sort of thing do have that um, connection with their with their public and their fans. So yeah, uh, as Jermaine said, we really appreciate you taking the time. Sure. Well, I tell you what, let's make it a date. Uh, Four a.m. next year, this same day. <laughs> <laughs> so aim it around Independence Day, and we're good to go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'll put it in my in my calendar. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> hey, before you guys go, there's one question that I that I want to ask about, and that's you know since I signed on to this, I've been looking to sort of <clears throat> commemorate my joining the Phantom team with some sort of Phantom memorabilia, you know, like a action figure or something like that, just for my collection of things. Yep. Uh, and I can't find any good stuff except <laughs> yeah. in Australia there seems to be some stuff like that you, is that yeah. true uh, you guys have stuff available that's, that's sort of yeah. crap worthwhile over there so what what were you looking for you were looking for like a, a statue or uh, you know ideally uh, like a nice action figure you know of, uh, like the six inch variety or something like that but I did come to a there was a, I found a website where they had a nice couple of nice statues, uh, but the the guy the place that has them says that they only sell to retailers. They don't sell to uh, to individuals. So I guess I was out of luck uh, there. So uh, let's uh, 
That's an excellent segue, Jeff, because at the moment Chronicle Chamber is running a competition for people who are uh, want to make suggestions for new collectibles, and the prize is the right. statue. Um. I saw that. I saw that. I think that, uh, that your website is actually where uh, that flagged that for me. Um. Yeah. Okay. And Icon, they um, they're the ones running the competition, and they do only sell to to retailers. And um, I think I know the statue you're talking about, and it is a nice one. Is that the which one's that one, Dan? Is that the one with the three colours? They had two that were sort of nice. One was one was him standing with guns drawn. Uh, the one yeah. I was most attracted to was him on Hero. Uh, yeah, it's, that's a beautiful statue. Yeah. We've we've both got one of those, and it is it is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think Australia is probably your best bet for those yeah. things at the moment. Yeah. Um, there doesn't seem to be very much coming out in America at all. There's yeah. some um, nice statues from Brazil, um, but postage from Brazil is quite expensive. Um, what I can that that statue that you're talking about is available on a on a website called popculture.com, and they do ship internationally. Okay. Uh, we can send you the link to that. Oh, that would be great. I'd like to take a look at that. Yeah. Popculture.com. I'm writing that down. <laughs> uh, it's it's spelt with um, C U L T C H A, I think. Uh, okay. Well, I tell you what, if you would if you would send me a, a link to that, that would be great. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I'd appreciate it. There's okay. um, yeah yeah no, I appreciate your time um, on the podcast, um, Jeff. It was it was great. Um, well, thanks for, for contacting me about it. I'm always happy to talk about this and to be in touch with uh, Phantom fans because I'm really trying to make sure that they're satisfied with what, what they see from me. Oh, well, I'm satisfied, so you got to at least well, good. satisfied. Yeah, so far, so good. That's <laughs> for sure. We'll let you know if you start to stray. Right. Well, my <laughs> hope is that it's going to get better as time goes on rather than worse, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Okay. All right, well, um, I suppose you don't... Uh, what is it now? Six, half past six? Or over what's, here? What's the time, what's the time <laughs> you, over there, or is it half past five? It's 5.30 now. Uh, <laughs> so you've got your full day ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, as soon as I get off the line with you, I'm going to finish coloring this week's Phantom. Very quickly. I started it yesterday. I'll probably finish it off this morning. Awesome. Awesome. No worries. Well, thank you again, Jeff. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. um, Thank you, guys. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Okay. So long. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dan. Um, Jeff, and until next time, which will be the Comics and Reviews podcast, which will be interesting. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Happy Phantoming. Dan, happy Phantoming. Happy Phantoming, everybody. And Steve, looking forward to having you on board next time. It's been a while since he's been on, hasn't it? (laughs) He's, um, he's, well, he's still editing the podcasts and putting them up for us, so that's good. But otherwise, um, he's doing it, yes, all the hard work. He is becoming the ghost who walks. Who just there's a whisper, there's a rumor of Steve in the background. We know he's about, but uh, we need to hear from you, mate. Steve, Steve, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Happy phantoming. Right. Good Until night. Next time. Five hundred. 
So you guys run uh, the website. I can't think of the name of it, but it. Uh, uh, yeah, Chronicle Chamber. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and it's, I think it's all devoted to Phantom stuff. Is that right? From what I've yes, seen it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All, all yeah. Phantom stuff. Um, so Phantom so, is, seems to be a lot bigger over in Australia and actually other parts of the world than it is in the United States here. Yes, it is. It, it, we we certainly have enough to keep ourselves busy um, with, and we only do fandom stuff on the website, sort of thing. But uh, yeah, he, he's pretty popular here. Hmm. That's great to know. That's that's good. I, you know, the American comic strips don't have a lot of presence in uh, American culture anymore. It seems like uh, it's good to know that uh, there's still places out there that are paying a lot of attention to it. All right, well, thank you, everyone who is listening to this. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as what we did uh, with the special guest starring of my daughter. I think she might have been a bit jealous with uh, Angus and Tom. And <laughs> That's about Tom that she gets on. Um, yeah, so um, sorry about that, guys. Um, but, I don't know yeah, that she had um, enough of an appearance to get a fruit crew badge, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, to be fair, I am in her bedroom as well, so... <laughs> No, no, you get out, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take seven. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is I'm glad this professional bit happens before or after talking to the guest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, it, the, the, the talking to Jeff couldn't have gone more smoothly. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> he probably thinks we know what we're doing. It's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so... Hello? Say, say Phantom. Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy going on the podcast? Have you been enjoying running around giving your mum grief? <laughs> she's running around, she's not ready for sleep. She's gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Uh, Good on you, mate. Talk to you soon. Keep in touch. All right. Bye. Cheers. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The ghost who walks! The Phantom! Enemies beware, the Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. He finds you.